to Basketball U here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. Don't forget, you can take us on the go as well with the ESPN Chicago app. And as always, you can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. It's been a fun tournament. I know for Shea, it's maybe not been as fun as he would like. I've enjoyed every step along the way. Uh, it's pretty easy to appease me. With, like I am a, a little kid with an iPad when it comes to this tournament, all right? You give me an iPad... I'll be entertained, all right? You can, like a little kid, you can take them to Cleveland. As long as the hotel has a swimming pool, they're going to have a good time. That's how I am with this NCAA tournament. I And again, it's not like I'm not enjoying it. I'm having fun watching these games. I've been entertained by it. It's just... I don't think this is going to live up to the great tournaments we've seen in the past few years. I think we're going to look back on this one as kind of an outlier. And I think the championship game that we are going to get. Right now, you've got UConn and San Diego State all matched up for this championship game tomorrow night. And when you look at kind of what this this game could be, it could get ugly. Like, we've seen UConn dominate teams along the way. Margin of victories along the way. 24, 15, 23, 28, and yesterday was 13. Sure as hell didn't feel like 13 yesterday. No, they, and that was where, like I mentioned, every time Miami got it to 10, it mm-hmm. just felt like UConn put the stiff arm back out. Yes. That's as close as we're going to let you get. We're playing with our food a little bit. We know we've won this game. Mm-hmm. Hey, boy. We're letting they, coaches' kids get five second uh, holding the ball calls and, and not on the inbounds. Like th- that call never gets made. The no advance for five seconds the call never gets made. Ever. Uh huh. And no, like intentionally, right. you have Dan Hurley telling his kid, "Don't move the ball up the floor. Right. We are going to be good sports here." Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. Screw me. <laughs> uh, but no, it's. I wonder if San Diego State can get you slow UConn down at all. Like that's. They've played better defenses and or as good of defenses as San Diego State. They haven't been slowed down. Like I don't, I just don't know if this is going to be a close game. I hope it is. I want to be entertained with a close game tomorrow. But it feels like UConn does everything so well. You know, third in offensive efficiency, fourth in defensive efficiency. They they, they crash the offensive glass. San Diego State can't be as poor on the offensive rebounding as they were in the first 30 minutes of yesterday's game. No. Or this will not be close. So you look at the offensive rebounding percentages over the course of this tournament, and that is really what has been the difference for me. 35%, 34%, and then about 32 and 31.5% for a team that is not a big team by any stretch of the imagination. They're 241st in the country in average height, according to Ken Palm. And that, to me, this is where you're going to see a UConn team sort of give San Diego State a taste of their own medicine here because UConn is going to out-rebound the hell out of this team. Yeah. And that, I think, like what we've seen at the free throw line, all these missed free throws that turn into second chances for San Diego State, and then against Creighton, all the missed shots that turn into second chances, for a team with pack line principles where offensive rebounding is not something that is at a premium, that 
going up against this level of dominance on the boards. You've got UConn, the number two rebounding team on the offensive side of the ball, um, and number 67 on the defensive side of the ball, but part of that's because they're so damn efficient um, as well. Like This team is so good rebounding the basketball that I think it's going to completely throw San Diego State for a loop. And not only that, like if what happens last night with UConn happens tomorrow night, where Adamas Sinogo comes out and just out of nowhere hits three threes to start the game, good night. Yep. Like that's, that's where UConn has, they have the ability to kill you in so many different ways, whether it's the glass, whether it's at the three-point line. And I don't and know if San, anybody. Yeah, I don't know if San Diego State can weather the storm. That's where we've talked so much about this UConn team because even though they're the four seed and they got the crooked number next to their name, they're one of the best teams in this tournament. And like right now, they're rated number one in America by Kempom. They've had a two week stretch where they were number one by Kempom and they hit the top five in the AP poll. This is not a slouch UConn mm-hmm. team. That's a four seed. This is maybe a great team in college basketball. Yes. And you look at the way that they've kind of gone about this entire tournament run and the dominance that they've had. Like, they've gone through some pretty good teams along the way. Like, you look at paths, and sure, like, playing Miami in the Final Four is not a path that we could have expected. And maybe we talk about paths and we're just like, oh, that's a quote-unquote easy way to get to the championship game. But when you look at the teams that they played along the way, like... They played Iona. Kick the hell out of them. I know you hate St. Mary's, but yeah, but like St. Mary's, Mary's is a good five team. seed. All right, they were top fifteen according to Ken Palm, and then Arkansas. Like Arkansas, I get they were an eight seed, right? But it's an but, Eric Musselman led team yes. that's no stranger to the moment. Mm-hmm. That had knocked out a one. That had experience being here. Had been to the mm-hmm. Elite Eight. That that yes. was a big. They had a ton of tournament success with with the Must Bus. Then you've got Gonzaga, who's been one of the great powers of the last two decades in the sport. And then you beat Miami, and, and like that's the, the, here's my my common theme here along the way. Look at the coaches they've beaten. Along the way, look at the coaches that Dan Hurley has taken down. You've taken down the greatest coach to ever coach a 13 seed ever. Rick Pitino, Randy Bennett, Eric Musselman, Mark Few, Jim Laranega. So you want to talk about a path for UConn and maybe it not being as difficult to get to a championship game. But you look at the coaches that Dan Hurley has taken down along the way. That is an impressive resume right there. Yeah, that's a that's a really nice run for UConn. And that's. You're right. That's kind of been the most impressive thing about this tournament is how great UConn has been. And now you have to take on this San Diego State team that, honestly, people are going to say they had an easy path. Yeah, going through Charleston and getting the luck draw with Furman, who Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have beaten Virginia. Mm -hmm. You maybe should have had to go through Tony Bennett and Virginia there, and we would have seen a clash of pack line defenses. Mm -hmm. What an exciting game that would have been. (laughs) Instead, you take out Furman, but then you got to go against Alabama and Brandon Miller. And And make a comeback in that game as well. And I know Brandon Miller shot the ball horrifically in this tournament but that's still it's Nate Oates it's an Alabama team that was consistently the best player in the tournament the best in the country but the best player in the tournament you go up against a Creighton team that came out of a Big East I would say it's safe to say was a pretty good conference may this have season. been the best in the sport yeah when you and, look at it and then you take on this FAU dream team that look man they finished 17th in Kempom they're going to finish with the most wins of any team in the sport yeah so it's not like they had an easy path 
either. Like, easier in the first two rounds, sure. But you had to win a huge one in the Sweet 16. You knocked out a beast in Creighton, needed a comeback there, needed a comeback against Alabama, needed a comeback against Florida Atlantic. This is not a team that's going to be easy to put away. And, and here's the funny thing with San Diego State. For a team that is so offensively inept, like, th- this is a team that prior to yesterday was outside the top 70 in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. When they go down by 10, 15 points, it's more like going down by 14 to, to 20 points because of the pace they play, because of just the, the struggles that they have offensively. And that's part of what has made some of these comebacks so impressive to me for San Diego State is particularly yesterday. Like I, I tweeted it out yesterday, like, oh, they're, they're down double digits, but for San Diego State, like that's like being down 20 points for them. Yeah. Because they are so, so poor on offense. But it's so interesting the way that they flip the script in the game because it starts with defense. It starts with using that pack line to create some turnovers, mm-hmm. give yourself some opportunities, transition with numbers. Mm-hmm. And then it came on the offensive glass, which we've talked about, which is so interesting for a team that's so slow paced, kind of bogs down offensively to live on the glass and second chance points the way they're able to do that and kind of flip that switch on late in games. That's where UConn has to be able to dominate the offensive glass if they're going to win this game as easily as they have throughout this tournament. If they let uh, San Diego State get any life at all, on the offensive glass, that's where we start to see a competitive game. Yes. 312-332-3776. Are you looking forward to tomorrow's national championship game? UConn and San Diego State, just as we all picked at the beginning of the year. And speak like, bracket pools are done. Yeah, <laughs> like, no kidding. I, I, uh, I won the, the office pool yesterday. The only reason I, that yesterday was the day that I, I found out my fate was because Dylan Hansen, one of our, our part-time teammates here that works uh, with marketing and events, he had Miami as his champion. And so if Miami wins that game, what a they end up winning the he would end up winning the the entire pool, but like most most uh bracket pools that I'm in, they were paid out by the end of the Elite 8. My big one uh that I'm in with like 117 some people was decided I think after the Sweet 16. Like the Elite 8 didn't even matter whatever happened because of the level of randomness that was in this tournament, bracket pools were all decided. Like we talked off air, unless you're in a UConn pool where you're probably yes. living off of the tiebreaker because you have a bunch of UConn fans, your bracket pool's probably been settled for a couple weeks. I talked to Dylan about this on Thursday. We were talking about mm-hmm. it in the car when we were, we did the opening day right for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he said he just picked his bracket just by the logos. Yeah. So it was just completely random. I saw random. him at Old Crow that yeah. day, and, we, and he texted me a couple times like, hey, are you going to hedge? And I was like, oh, I'm thinking about maybe trying to middle this a little bit, take a little bit of uh, Miami plus five and a half. I ended up not. I ended up taking UConn yesterday um, well, and, and, and really doubling you, down. And then you're sitting there going, maybe I should bet Miami now plus whatever. And you probably should have because they ended up making it a little closer. It was like 15 and a half, but you had your 16 to 20. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to fade you right And we've there. also been burned so many times going, why don't we bet the other side of you? UConn, this team's going to get, and then UConn just stomps. Yeah. I did it with Gonzaga. Gonzaga's second half, oh yeah, they'll get into it. They're the best second half team in the country. Yeah, never Cut, happened. Cutscene, Gonzaga's dead on the floor, and UConn ran away. I could have just won one bet. It would have been great. That, that was the other thing, too. Like, when you look at, when you look at what San Diego State's done, like, it's been comebacks. 
A lot of comebacks as of late. And that's what UConn has stymied. Right. Like, Gonzaga, you would think, would have the second half comeback. And UConn said, you're just going to die. Even Miami. Miami's Miami. had some great comebacks in this tournament. And what did UConn do? They kicked the doors down on them and said, no, we're not. Do- you're not getting back within eight of us. And then they played with their food a little bit. But like I said, every time that game got to 10, it was like UConn said, that's fun. Get away. It was like the Miami's a short person who can't reach UConn, so they just put the hand out, mm-hmm. and they're running in place. Yes. 312-332-3776. You want to talk some Final Four? You want to talk some National Championship with us? It's all set for tomorrow down in Houston. Cannot wait for it. We'll be right back on Basketball U here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. This is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. Oh, thanks for that, Dick. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, oh. Thanks for that, Shay. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, it's been a lot of fun with you here on Basketball U. Thank you to Jake Cantu for producing today's show. Thank you to Charlie Bevins for stopping by as well. Always fun with Always Charlie. Always good to see Charlie. Let's never forget, Charlie Bevins started this tournament 21 and tw- for 21. Run. Made his first 21 picks correct. Shout out to Charlie Bevins. As we say goodbye to pa- Basketball one. U here yes. on ESPN 1000, we also say goodbye to Chardog's uh, 181 of 181, right? Yeah, he was in the top 181 of the final perfect brackets. What an insane run in yes. a tournament like this. Yes, good for Charlie. And to do it in this tournament, of all tournaments too, makes it that much more impressive as well. So do you think this is the future of the NCAA tournament? Because I do. I think that, like, and as much as I am lamenting the lack of star power in a national title game, I do think as we go forward, the middle has been brought much closer to the top. And we're going to continue to see, because of the single elimination format, middle-of-the-pack teams make their way to the Final Four. I w- Here's where I would kind of differ on that. Like, yes, it's good now, but part of what I think is going to actually lend itself to being a, not a more chalk, but you're going to see the return of the Blue Bloods because you're going to start to see guys stay. Tyrese Proctor staying at Duke yeah. is huge. That is legitimate big time news that is a lottery level nba player coming back to college and i don't know necessarily if if it's because of the money per se that he's getting at duke because he'd be making more money in the nba as a lottery pick i'd imagine right like you're talking about a guaranteed money money as well and you start your nba career and you start your nba clock to hit free agency but hey maybe as well maybe folks in uh durham pay through the nose i don't know or not even that like We've seen how much people and kids at Duke love that experience. Yeah. Like, Zion wanted to go back. If if NIL were a thing, there may be a world where Zion Williamson spends another year in college. And I think we're going to get to that point where, I mean, Duke may run it back with a lot of the guys that they had last year. And with Hunter Dickinson hitting the transfer portal, like, what if Hunter ends up at Duke? Which, by the way, he would be a, he would start as an all-time hated Duke player 
as oh, well. Oh, I, boy. He kind of fits the bill. He does. But I'm was, almost rooting for it. I was going to bring up, when you talked about players staying, there is the flip side of the coin, which is mm-hmm. the transfer portal, and a guy like Hunter Dickinson who could go pro, albeit probably not in the first round mm-hmm. and probably not getting guaranteed money, but has an opportunity to go to the NBA and instead is transferring from Michigan, a program he's been at his career, mm-hmm. and going someplace else and staying in college. That's also something new that we're seeing. If he goes to, I don't know, Tyler, Syracuse, We see the rise of Syracuse. Mm -hmm. If he goes to Georgetown, if he goes to St. John's, one of these new darling programs, Mm -hmm. then you see the rise of, like, Ed Cooley, Georgetown's an attractive spot if you're Hunter Dickinson. Rick Pitino, St. John's, an attractive spot if you're Hunter Mm -hmm. Dickinson. And I don't think either of those coaches are turning him down if he wanted to go to their program. So that's... The flip side of the coin is we start to see the middle of the pack programs rise because all of a sudden you're attractive to some mid-major kid who wants a new experience or to a guy like Hunter Dickinson who's been at Michigan for so long and feels burnt out and he wants to go someplace new. Right. And I think part of it, too, is what we're going to see with the transfer portal and with NIL is we are going to see some of these teams have guys longer like I think one of the perfect examples of this is Gonzaga and you can say oh well they're not in the final four they didn't make it to the national championship game like it's a failed season for Gonzaga Gonzaga overachieved this year getting to the elite eight I know it wasn't pretty the way they went out the conversation around this team all year was this is not the Gonzaga you know it's that oh boy could this be the team that doesn't get to the sweet 16 not only did they get to the sweet 16 they got to the elite eight and they beat a ucl a really really good like one of the best ucla teams that we've seen in recent memory as well yeah and that's you know that's where i kind of just feel like the future of this tournament and the future of this sport is going to be more in the middle of the pack. And it's it, it, like it's the nature of the beast, Tyler. It's not that the middle of the pack teams are going to steal the recruits and they're going to have all the money no. and they're going to have all these. They're not going to have the super talented teams. But when you have a single elimination tournament and the fives are a lot closer to the ones than mm-hmm. they used to be, you're going to start seeing the fives beat the ones a little bit more often. But We've happens- already seen it the last 10 years. I think the next 10 years with how much closer it's even gotten because of the portal and because of NIL money, it's just going to get more like this. What happens, though, with the the teams like Duke that start keeping guys like Proctor for two, three years? Because yeah, those teams, I think, are going to be really good. And that's, that's where, where I see the ones start to kind and of separate a little more from the fives. Maybe the NIL contributes to this not happening because, mm-hmm. I've mentioned before, when you look at the recruiting class next year, the top ten, only one of them is going pro. In this mm-hmm. upcoming NBA draft, four of the top five players were either overtime elite or overseas. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to college. Yes. That's not going to be the case and next year. And I don't year. think that's an indictment on the college game, necessarily. I think it's more of a it's actually more of a compliment i think to the college game because some of these guys just want to stay yeah no that's (laughs) the point i'm making is when you look next year it's kentucky's got five guys who could go overseas go pro go to overtime elite if they Mm -hmm. wanted to they're all going to kentucky like you're seeing those blue blood type programs even uconn recruit Mm -hmm. at an insanely high level where Maybe the NIL money and these bigger programs that have boosters that are willing to do these things that they're allowed to do now, you get the better players, you bring in the high-level freshmen, and all of a sudden we're right back where we were. There's 10 teams that can win, and we see the ones dominate their way through the tournament. I think in the short term, 
NIL is going to help. I don't want to say the little guys because that's not necessarily true, but the teams like Miami, yeah, where there's brand name to it, and even maybe to a degree. I won't say it's it's helped well, San it's Diego just... State, but the transfer portal more so there. But NIL is going to help the the schools with names with with. Uh, like a Miami, where there's a brand, there's an establishment there, whether it's like Iowa or something like that. Like NIL is going to help those schools in the short term, but I think NIL is going to help the Blue Bloods in the long term. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think in the short term, too, like if you're a school, I think it's true at Michigan State. I think it's it's clearly true at Miami. If you're a school that's got billionaire graduates who really Mm -hmm. care about sports and want to inflict their wealth and power on the sports programs and like the athletics at your school... You can compete with the big boys. That's the world we live in now. Right. And we were talking about this yesterday, too. Like, with these boosters who were who are offering up a million dollars to some of these recruits. It's happening in Syracuse. Right. And so Syracuse's biggest booster, who, by the way, just handed out ten grand to a player on FAU <laughs> before the Final Four, which okay. I thought was fascinating. But um, Syracuse's biggest booster, a guy by the name of Adam Weitzman, has off, he has an on-the-table offer a million dollars to a five-star football and basketball player. And if you are a booster, and I get football rules the day, but if you had to pick between bringing in a five-star football player versus a five-star basketball player, unless it's a quarterback, which there's very few five-stars of those, unless it's a quarterback, you take the basketball player every day of the week because he impacts the game way more than what you're going to maybe find with a, a five-star corner or a five-star receiver. Yeah. He's going to impact the game way more as a five-star basketball player. I would take a football player because I'm Mr. Football, yeah, you as are. you so eloquently I can see the put. laces in the back of your head. Yeah. But. Mr. Football over here would go football. But that's, I mean, it's just I'm wired a little differently. I get the point. If you've got a guy who just wants a national title in any sport, doesn't care football, basketball, you obviously go basketball. Mm-hmm. Because you can get that. Like, you put Jabari Parker on Duke, they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can mm-hmm. put one guy on any team. It, 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 the example last night was if you just move Kyle Flipkowski. I can never say Philip that Hosky, name. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't do it. Anyway. Flip. We know, yeah. If you just move Kyle Flip to any team, if you just dropped him on Syracuse, you're a tournament team. Yes, they they would be. If you just took Jalen Wilson off Kansas and dropped him onto some mid-major squad in the Valley, mm-hmm. you're a tournament team. No doubt about it. All right, three one two three three two three seven seven six. Craig is in Lansing. Before we get on out of here, what's up, Craig? Hey, yeah. First, I agree with you on the basketball player because I mean that's twenty percent of the lineup. I mean mm-hmm. he's going to weigh infect the uh, affect the game and the other guys. It's only 9% of the lineup. So right. just you need more players surrounding him to make it work. But I think that this year's tournament is going to be, well, the one I remember for Caitlin Clark just being so great as she is. So I didn't get what that last caller, one of him, he was talking about. But anyways, also the year where now there's going to be a lot more pressure on coaches to win because they're going to say, well, see, they, they did it. Why aren't you using the transfer portal? Why aren't, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's going to be higher expectations coming from administrators because of this tournament. And I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be difficult for guys to hang out of their jobs because there's going to be people short on patients that fire coaches that probably don't deserve to get fired because they're seeing these other programs succeed in ways that we haven't seen programs like these succeed in the past. And Craig, I, I think that's a great point, and thanks for the call. Like, that's why Bayheim retired, Kay retired, Jay Roy Wright. retired, Jay Wright retired, uh, Mike Bray I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's not coaching right now. It's why these guys have stepped down and stepped away from their jobs right now. 
because they can't handle what's happening to the sport. They can't. And it's evolve or die. And, it, yeah, it is. and they're on the way out. Is it a little bit, and I've always thought this, and maybe we have 90 seconds left for this debate, but isn't it also like when Coach K left? To me, it felt a little bit like you used to be able to bend these rules and it was exclusive to you, mm-hmm. but now everybody has access right. to them that's and why you're th- whining about it. That's why I think Rick Pitino's fascinating. So fascinating. Because he always broke the rules, mm-hmm. it, not if you ask him, right. but now he gets the opportunity to do it legally at St. John's Story mm-hmm. Program. Yes. This is going to be a fascinating watch. Yep. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I think next year's going to be a lot of fun too a lot a lot of fun the season always is all right so before we get on out of here we've got UConn we've got San Diego State I think we're both in agreement that UConn is going to win but uh, what what kind of margin of victory are you looking at over there are they getting a cover I gotta tell you there's something interesting here where the Ken Palm Seven line and a half point line in this Ken, game the Ken Palm line is five so either yeah. you ride the lightning and go, the market's just way smarter than Kempom, and that's why it's out there at seven and a half, and or you just take San Diego State because nobody's betting on them and hope that it's a close game. On the flip side, though, like yesterday, Kempom had a seven-point margin, and it was a five-and-a-half-point spread. Yep, and I so, took UConn because I sided with Kempom, and yeah. everybody was on Miami. Now mm-hmm. we have the opposite. Everyone's on UConn. I may take San Diego State and play the the... Seven and a half is a lot for a championship game. It sure is. So, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us all tournament long. White Sox baseball, the pregame show with Jesse Rogers is coming up next. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Basketball U here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. Don't forget, you can take us on the go as well with the ESPN Chicago app. And as always, you can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. It's been a fun tournament. I know for Shea, it's maybe not been as fun as he would like. I've enjoyed every step along the way. Uh, it's pretty easy to appease me. With, like I'm a, a little kid with an iPad when it comes to this tournament, all right? You give me an iPad... I'll be entertained, all right? You can, like a little kid, you can take them to Cleveland. As long as the hotel has a swimming pool, they're going to have a good time. That's how I am with this NCAA tournament. I, and again, it's not like I'm not enjoying it. I'm having fun watching these games. I've been entertained by it. It's just, I don't think this is going to live up to the great tournaments we've seen in the past few years. I think we're going to look back on this one as kind of an outlier. And I think the championship game that we are going to get. Right now, you've got UConn and San Diego State all matched up for this championship game tomorrow night. And when you look at kind of what this this game could be, it could get ugly. Like, we've seen UConn dominate teams along the way. Margin of victories along the way. 24, 15, 23, 28, and yesterday was 13. Sure as hell didn't feel like 13 yesterday. No, they, and that was where, like I mentioned, every time Miami got it to 10, it mm-hmm. just felt like UConn put the stiff arm back out. Yes. That's as close as we're going to let you get. We're playing with our food a little bit. We know we've won this game. Mm-hmm. Hey, boy. We're letting they, coaches' kids get five-second uh, holding the ball calls and, and not on the inbounds. 
Like th- that call never gets made. The no advance for five seconds the call never gets made. Ever. Uh huh. And no, like intentionally, right. you have Dan Hurley telling his kid, Dude. "Don't move the ball up the floor." Right. We are going to be good sports here. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. Screw me. <laughs> uh, but no, it's. I wonder if San Diego State can get you slow UConn down at all. Like that's they've played better defenses and they're as good of defenses as San Diego State. They haven't been slowed down. Like I don't. I just don't know if this is going to be a close game. I hope it is. I want to be entertained with a close game tomorrow. But it feels like UConn does everything so well. You know, third in offensive efficiency, fourth in defensive efficiency. They they crash the offensive glass. San Diego State can't be as poor on the offensive rebounding as they were in the first 30 minutes of yesterday's game. No. Or this will not be close. So you look at the offensive rebounding percentages over the course of this tournament, and that is really what has been the difference for me. 35%, 34%, and then about 32 and 31.5% for a team that is not a big team by any stretch of the imagination. They're 241st in the country in average height, according to Ken Palm. And that, to me, this is where you're going to see a UConn team sort of give San Diego State a taste of their own medicine here because UConn is going to out-rebound the hell out of this team. Yeah. And that, I think, like what we've seen at the free-throw line all these missed free throws that turn into second chances for San Diego State and then against Creighton, all the missed shots that turn into second chances for a team with pack line principles where offensive rebounding is not something that is at a premium. That going up against this level of dominance on the boards, you've got UConn, the number two rebounding team on the offensive side of the ball um, and number 67 on the defensive side of the ball. But part of that's because they're so damn efficient um, as well. Like this team is so good rebounding the basketball that I think it's going to completely throw San Diego State for a loop. And not only that, like if what happens last night with UConn happens tomorrow night where Adamas Sinogo comes out and just out of nowhere hits three threes to start the game, good night. Yep. Like that's that's where UConn has – they have the ability to kill you in so many different ways, whether it's the glass, whether it's at the three-point line. And I don't and know if San, anybody. Yeah, I don't know if San Diego State can weather the storm. That's where we've talked so much about this UConn team because even though they're the four seed and they got the crooked number next to their name, they're one of the best teams in this tournament. And like right now, they're rated number one in America by Kempom. They've had a two week stretch where they were number one by Kempom and they hit the top five in the AP poll. This is not a slouch UConn mm-hmm. team. That's a four seed. This is maybe a great team in college basketball. Yes. And you look at the way that they've kind of gone about this entire tournament run and the dominance that they've had. Like they've gone through some pretty good teams along the way. Like you look at paths and sure, like playing Miami in the final four is not a path that we could have expected. And maybe we talk about paths and we're like, Oh, that's a quote unquote easy way to get to the championship game. But when you look at the teams that they played along the way, like, they played Iona, kicked the hell out of them. I know you hate St. Mary's, but yeah, but like St. Mary's, Mary's is a good five team. seed. All right, they were top fifteen according to Ken Palm, and then Arkansas, like Arkansas, I get they were an eight seed, right? But it's an but, Eric Musselman led team yes. that's no stranger to the moment mm-hmm. that had knocked out a one that had experience being here, had been to the mm-hmm. Elite Eight. That that yes. was a big They've win. Had a ton of tournament success with with the Must Bus. Then you've got Gonzaga, who's been one of the great powers of the last two decades in the sport. And then you beat Miami and, and like that's the, the here's my my common theme here along the way. 
Look at the coaches they've beaten along the way. Look at the coaches that Dan Hurley has taken down. You've taken down the greatest coach to ever coach a 13 seed ever. Rick Pitino, Randy Bennett, Eric Musselman, Mark Few, Jim Laranega. So you want to talk about a path for UConn and maybe it not being as difficult to get to a championship game, but you look at the coaches that Dan Hurley has taken down along the way, that is an impressive resume right there. Yeah, that's a that's a really nice run for UConn and that's you're right, that's kind of been the most impressive thing about this tournament is how great UConn has been and now you have to take on the San Diego State team that honestly People are going to say they had an easy path. Yeah, going through Charleston and getting the luck draw with Furman, who Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have beaten Virginia. Mm -hmm. You maybe should have had to go through Tony Bennett and Virginia there, and we would have seen a clash of pack line defenses. Mm -hmm. What an exciting game that would have been. (laughs) Instead, you take out Furman, but then you got to go against Alabama and Brandon Miller. And And make a comeback in that game as well. And I know Brandon Miller shot the ball horrifically in this tournament but that's still it's Nate Oates it's an Alabama team that was consistently the best player in the tournament the best in the country but the best player in the tournament you go up against a Creighton team that came out of a Big East I would say it's safe to say was a pretty good conference may this have season. been the best in the sport yeah when you and, look at it and then you take on this FAU dream team that look man they finished 17th in Kemp they're going to finish with the most wins of any team in the sport yeah so it's not like they had an easy path either like easier in the first two rounds sure but you had to win a huge one in the sweet 16 you knocked out a beast in Creighton needed to come back there needed to come back against Alabama needed to come back against Florida Atlantic this is not a team it's going to be easy to put away and, and here's the funny thing with San Diego State for a team that is so offensively inept like th- this is a team that prior to yesterday was outside the top 70 in Ken Palm offensive efficiency when they go down by 10, 15 points, it's more like going down by 14 to, to 20 points because of the pace they play, because of just the, the struggles that they have offensively. And that's part of what has made some of these comebacks so impressive to me for San Diego State is particularly yesterday. Like I, I tweeted it out yesterday, like, oh, they're, they're down double digits, but for San Diego State, like that's like being down 20 points for them. Yeah. Because they are so, so poor on offense. But it's so interesting the way that they flip the script in the game because it starts with defense. It starts with using that pack line to create some turnovers, mm-hmm. give yourself some opportunities, transition with numbers. Mm-hmm. And then it came on the offensive glass, which we've talked about, which is so interesting for a team that's so slow paced, kind of bogs down offensively to live on the glass and second chance points the way they're able to do that and kind of flip that switch on late in games. That's where UConn has to be able to dominate the offensive glass if they're going to win this game as easily as they have throughout this tournament. If they let uh, San Diego State get any life at all, on the offensive glass, that's where we start to see a competitive game. Yes. 312-332-3776. Are you looking forward to tomorrow's national championship game? UConn and San Diego State, just as we all picked at the beginning of the year. And speak like, bracket pools are done. Yeah, <laughs> like, no kidding. I, I, uh, I won the, the office pool yesterday. The only reason I, that yesterday was the day that I, I found out my fate was because Dylan Hansen, one of our, our part-time teammates here that works uh, with marketing and events, he had Miami as his champion. 
And so if Miami wins that game, what a they end up winning the he would end up winning the the entire pool, but like most most uh bracket pools that I'm in, they were paid out by the end of the Elite Eight. My big one uh that I'm in with like hundred and seventeen some people was decided I think after the Sweet 16. Like, the Elite Eight didn't even matter. Whatever happened. Because of the level of randomness that was in this tournament, bracket pools were all decided. Like, we talked off air. Unless you're in a UConn pool where you're probably yes. living off of the tiebreaker because you have a bunch of UConn fans, your bracket pool's probably been settled for a couple weeks. I talked to Dylan about this on Thursday. We were talking about mm-hmm. it in the car when we're, we did the opening day, right, for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he said he just picked his bracket just by the logos. Yeah. So it was just completely random. I saw random. him at Old Crow that yeah. day, and, we, and he texted me a couple times like, hey, are you going to hedge? And I was like, oh, I'm thinking about maybe trying to middle this a little bit, take a little bit of uh, Miami plus five and a half. I ended up not. I ended up taking UConn yesterday um, well, and, and, and really doubling you, down. And then you're sitting there going, maybe I should bet Miami now plus whatever. And you probably should have because they ended up making it a little closer. It was like 15 and a half, but you had your 16 to 20. So I was like, all right, but, I'm not going to fade you right there. And we've there. also been burned so many times going, why don't we bet the other side of you? UConn, this team's going to get, and then UConn just stomps. Yeah. I did it with Gonzaga. Gonzaga's second half, oh yeah, they'll get into it. They're the best second half team in the country. Yeah, never Cut, happened. Cutscene, Gonzaga's dead on the floor, and UConn ran away. I could have just won one bet. It would have been great. That, that was the other thing, too. Like, when you look at, when you look at what San Diego State's done, like, it's been comebacks. A lot of comebacks as of late. And that's what UConn has stymied. Right. Like, Gonzaga, you would think, would have the second half comeback, and UConn said, you're just going to die. Even Miami. Miami's had some great comebacks in this tournament, and what did UConn do? They kicked the doors down on them and said, no, we're not. Do- you're not getting back within eight of us. And then they played with their food a little bit, but like I said, every time that game got to 10, it was like UConn said, that's fun, get away. It was like the Miami's a short person who can't reach UConn, so they just put the hand out, mm-hmm. and they're running in place. Yes. 312-332-3776. You want to talk some Final Four? You want to talk some National Championship with us? It's all set for tomorrow down in Houston. Cannot wait for it. We'll be right back on Basketball U here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. This is Basketball U. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. Oh, thanks for that, Dick. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, oh. Thanks for that, Shay. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, it's been a lot of fun with you here on Basketball U. Thank you to Jake Cantu for producing today's show. Thank you to Charlie Bevins for stopping by as well. Always fun with Always Charlie. Always good to see Chardon. Let's never forget, Charlie Bevins started this tournament 21 and tw- for 21. Run. Made his first 21 picks correct. Shout out to Charlie Bevins. As we say goodbye to pa- one of Basketball one. U here yes. on ESPN 1000, we also say goodbye to Chardog's uh, 181 of 181, right? Yeah, he was in the top 181 of the final perfect brackets. What an insane run in yes. a tournament like this. Yes, good for Charlie. And to do it in this tournament, of all tournaments too, makes it that much more impressive as well. So do you think this is the future of the NCAA tournament? Because I do. I think that, like, and as much as I am lamenting the lack of star power in a national title game, I do think as we go forward, the middle has been brought much closer to the top. And we're going to continue to see, because of the single elimination format, 
middle of the pack teams make their way to the final four. I w- here's where I would kind of differ on that. Like, yes, it's good now, but part of what I think is going to actually lend itself to being a not a more chalk, but you're going to see the return of the blue bloods because you're going to start to see guys stay. Tyrese Proctor staying at Duke yeah. is huge. That is legitimate big time news. That is a lottery level NBA player coming back to college. And I don't know necessarily if it's because of the money per se that he's getting at Duke because he'd be making more money in the NBA as a lottery pick. I'd imagine, right? Like you're talking about a guaranteed and money, it's guaranteed as, a lottery money pick. as well. And you start your NBA career and you start your NBA clock to hit free agency but hey, faster maybe, as well. Maybe folks in uh, Durham pay through the nose. And, I don't know. Or not even that. Like we've seen how much people and kids at Duke love that experience. Yeah. Like Zion wanted to go back. If, if NIL were a thing, there may be a world where Zion Williamson spends another year in college. And I think we're going to get to that point where, I mean, Duke may run it back with a lot of the guys that they had last year. And with Hunter Dickinson hitting the transfer portal, like, what if Hunter ends up at Duke? Which, by the way, he would be a, he would start as an all-time hated Duke player as oh, well. Oh, that, boy. He kind of fits the bill. He does. But I'm was, almost rooting for it. I was going to bring up, when you talked about players staying, there is the flip side of the coin, which is the mm-hmm. transfer portal. And a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who could go pro, albeit probably not in the first round mm-hmm. and probably not getting guaranteed money, but has an opportunity to go to the NBA and instead is transferring from Michigan, a program he's been at his career, mm-hmm. and going someplace else and staying in college. That's also something new that we're seeing if he goes to i don't know tyler syracuse we see the rise of syracuse Mm -hmm. if he goes to georgetown if he goes to st john's one of these new darling programs Mm -hmm. then you see the rise of like ed cooley georgetown's an attractive spot if you're hunter dickinson yeah rick patino st john's an attractive spot if you're hunter Mm -hmm. dickinson and i don't think either of those coaches are turning him down if he wanted to go to their program so that's the flip side of the coin is we start to see the middle-of-the-pack programs rise because all of a sudden you're attractive to some mid-major kid who wants a new experience or to a guy like Hunter Dickinson who's been at Michigan for so long and feels burnt out and he wants to go someplace new. Right. And I think part of it, too, is what we're going to see with the transfer portal and with NIL is we are going to see some of these teams have guys longer. like. I think one of the perfect examples of this is Gonzaga. And you can say, oh, well, they're not in the Final Four. They didn't make it to the National Championship game. Like, it's a failed season for Gonzaga. Gonzaga overachieved this year. Getting to the Elite Eight, I know it wasn't pretty the way they went out. The conversation around this team all year was this is not the Gonzaga you know. It's that, oh, boy, could this be the team that doesn't get to the Sweet 16? Not only did they get to the Sweet 16, they got to the Elite Eight. And they beat a UCLA, a really, really good, like, one of the best UCLA teams that we've seen in recent memory as well. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's where I kind of just feel like the future of this tournament and the future of this sport is going to be more in the middle of the pack. And it's it, it, like it's the nature of the beast, Tyler. It's not that the middle of the pack teams are going to steal the recruits and they're going to have all the money no. and they're going to have all these. They're not going to have the super talented teams. But when you have a single elimination tournament and the fives are a lot closer to the ones than mm-hmm. they used to be, you're going to start seeing the fives beat the ones a little bit more often. But We've happens- already seen it the last 10 years. I think the next 10 years with how much closer it's even gotten because of the portal and because of NIL money, it's just going to get more like this what happens though with the 
the teams like Duke that start keeping guys like Proctor for two, three years. Because yeah, those teams, I think, are going to be really good. And that's, that's where, where I see the ones start to kind and of separate a little more from the fives. Maybe the NIL contributes to this not happening. Because mm-hmm. I've mentioned before, when you look at the recruiting class next year, the top ten, only one of them is going pro. In this mm-hmm. upcoming NBA draft, four of the top five players were either overtime elite or overseas. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to college. Yes. That's not going to be the case and next year. And I don't year. think that's an indictment on the college game, necessarily. I think it's more... Of a, it's actually more of a compliment, I think, to the college game because some of these guys just want to stay. Yeah, no, that's the point I'm making is when you look next year, it's Kentucky's got five guys who could go overseas, go pro, go to overtime elite if they Mm -hmm. wanted to. They're all going to Kentucky. Like you're seeing those blue blood type programs, even UConn, recruit Mm -hmm. at an insanely high level where. Maybe the NIL money and these bigger programs that have boosters that are willing to do these things that they're allowed to do now, you get the better players, you bring in the high-level freshmen, and all of a sudden we're right back where we were. There's 10 teams that can win, and we see the ones dominate their way through the tournament. I think in the short term, NIL is going to help. I don't want to say the little guys because that's not necessarily true, but the teams like Miami yeah. where there's brand name to it. And even maybe to a degree, I won't say it's it's helped well, San it's Diego just... State, but the transfer portal more so there. But NIL is going to help the the schools with names, with with uh, like a Miami where there's a brand, there's an establishment there, whether it's like Iowa or something like that. Like NIL is going to help those schools in the short term. But I think NIL is going to help the Blue Bloods in the long term. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think in the short term, too, like if you're a school, I think it's true at Michigan State. I think it's it's clearly true at Miami. If you're a school that's got billionaire graduates who really mm-hmm. care about sports and want to inflict their wealth and power on the sports programs and like the athletics at your school, you can compete with the big boys. That's the world we live in. Now. Right. And we were talking about this yesterday, too, like with these boosters who were who are offering up a million dollars to some of these recruits. It's happening in Syracuse. Right. Uh, so Syracuse's biggest booster, who, by the way, just handed out ten grand to a player on FAU <laughs> before the Final Four, which okay. I thought was fascinating. But um, Syracuse's biggest booster, guy by the name of Adam Weitzman, has, off, he has a, on the table offer a million dollars to a five-star football and basketball player. And if you are a booster... And I get football rules the day, but if you had to pick between bringing in a five-star football player versus a five-star basketball player, unless it's a quarterback, which there's very few five-stars of those, unless it's a quarterback, you take the basketball player every day of the week because he impacts the game way more than what you're going to maybe find with a, a five-star corner or a five-star receiver. Yeah, He's going to impact the game way more. As a five-star basketball player. I would take a football player because I'm Mr. Football. Yeah, you as are. As you so eloquently I can see the laces put. in the back of your head. Yeah. But. Mr. Football over here would go football. But that's, I mean, it's just I'm wired a little differently. I get the point. If you've got a guy who just wants a national title in any sport, doesn't care football, basketball, you obviously go basketball. Mm-hmm. Because you can get that. Like, you put Jabari Parker on Duke, they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can mm-hmm. put one guy on any team. It, 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 the example last night was if you just move Kyle Flipkowski. I can never say Philip that Pusky, name. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't do it. Anyway. Flip. We know, yeah. If you just move Kyle Flip to any team, if you just dropped him on Syracuse, you're a tournament team. Yes. 
They, they would be. If you just took Jalen Wilson off Kansas and dropped him onto some mid-major squad in the Valley, mm-hmm. you're a tournament team. No doubt about it. All right. 312-332-3776. Craig is in Lansing before we get on out of here. What's up, Craig? Hey, now, yeah, first, I agree with you on the basketball player because, I mean, that's 20% of the lineup. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to weigh and affect the, uh, affect the game. And the other guys is only 9% of the lineup. So right. just you need more players surrounding him to make it work. But – I think that this year's tournament is going to be, well, the one I remember for Caitlin Clark just being so great as she is. So I didn't get what that last caller, one of him, he was talking about. But anyways, also the year where now there's going to be a lot more pressure on coaches to win because they're going to say, well, see, they, they did it. Why aren't you using the transfer portal? Why aren't, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's going to be higher expectations coming from administrators because of this tournament. And I think it's going to be um, – it's going to be difficult for guys to hang out of their jobs because there's going to be people short on patients that fire coaches that probably don't deserve to get fired because they're seeing these other programs succeed in ways that we haven't seen programs like these succeed in the past. And Craig, I, I think that's a great point, and thanks for the call. Like That's why Bayheim retired, Kay retired, Jay Wright retired, Jay Wright retired, uh, Mike Bray. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's not coaching right now. It's why these guys have stepped down and stepped away from their jobs right now. Because they can't handle what's happening to the sport. They can't. And it's evolve or die. And, it, yeah, it it's, and they're on the way out. Is it a little bit, and I've always thought this, and maybe we have 90 seconds left for this debate. But isn't it also like when Coach K left? To me, it felt a little bit like... You used to be able to bend these rules, and it was exclusive to you. Mm-hmm. But now everybody has access right. to them, that's and why you're th- whining about it. That's why I think Rick Pitino's fascinating. So fascinating. Because he always broke the rules, mm-hmm. it, not if you ask him. Right. But now he gets the opportunity to do it legally at St. John's, a story mm-hmm. program. Yes. This is going to be a fascinating watch. Yep. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I think next year's going to be a lot of fun too a lot a lot of fun the season always is all right so before we get on out of here we've got UConn we've got San Diego State I think we're both in agreement that UConn is going to win but uh, what what kind of margin of victory are you looking at over there are they getting a cover I gotta tell you there's something interesting here where the Ken Palm Seven line and a half point line in this Ken, game the Ken Palm line is five so either yeah. you ride the lightning and go, the market's just way smarter than Kempom, and that's why it's out there at seven and a half, and or you just take San Diego State because nobody's betting on them and hope that it's a close game. On the flip side, though, like yesterday, Kempom had a seven point margin and it was a five and a half point spread. Yep. Then I so, took UConn because I sided with Kempom, and yeah. everybody was on Miami. Now mm-hmm. we have the opposite. Everyone's on UConn. I may take San Diego State and play the the. Seven and a half is a lot for a championship game. It sure is. So, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us all tournament long. White Sox baseball, the pregame show with Jesse Rogers is coming up next. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago.